0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. I just finished today's interview with a guest who really has an area of expertise that I don't believe we've spoken to on this podcast, and it's one that I implement a lot in my own business, um, not so much one that I teach all that much because I'm not the expert on it, but I've seen how powerful a communication skill is. And just a life skill, I mean, truly, I really recommend you guys listen to today's episode because it has the capacity to transform your relationships, your business, your conversions in your business, how you show up for clients, the type of leader you're able to be. So today's guest, her name is Erin Thorpe, and she is an empathetic keynote speaker, writer, and coach for leaders who struggle with conflict, communication, and performance during high stress times. She supports leaders in navigating difficult conversations, building powerful teams, and communicating with empathy so that they can lead confidently. Having spent 20 years in the masculine-dominated engineering and construction industries, leading teams and delivering projects, Erin had taken notice that her colleagues were highly skilled and cared deeply about their work. But most were incapable of fully holding their own emotion and therefore unable to hold the emotions of others. After being told time and time again that she was too emotional and to pull herself together, she realized there was a big gap in what was being taught to technical leaders. She knew that skills often categorized as soft, quote unquote, connection, empathy, vulnerability, are actually the most difficult to learn, but are the key to creating leaders who make an impact in their personal lives, their companies, and in the world. And in this case, Your guys' businesses. In 2017, she authored Inside Out Empathy, a book inspired by her career and journey as a mother, and explores using the superpower of empathy to build effective teams. And Erin is currently working on a nonfiction leadership book about navigating new circumstances, as well as a fiction novel. So the conversation we had today, guys, really hit home for me because of a topic that I Often teach in my sort of higher level coaching packages. Um, I have a training on it in my mastermind. It's a conversation that comes up a lot on coaching calls in terms of the skill involved with really impactful communication. And not just communication, but leadership, the ability to move others, the ability to really coach people through whatever it is that they're wanting your help with and how to actually do that effectively because we think it's about sharing our knowledge with people. We think it's about giving them advice. And really, that part plays such a minuscule role in comparison to what I talk about today with Erin. I adored this conversation. She has just such a beautiful energy about her. So highly recommend listening all the way to the end. Promise it'll be worth it. Without further ado, here is my interview with Erin Thorpe. You're listening to the Aligned Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Saunders. I'm a business and manifestation mentor for modern entrepreneurs who know that deep down there's a better, smarter, and easier way to manifest the next level success they desire. On this podcast, we explore a very different approach to growing your business and income quickly, and it has nothing to do with hustling hard or discovering the perfect marketing strategy. By understanding the power of my thoughts and training myself to think in energetic alignment with the reality that I desired, I went from teacher to 20 and $30,000 months in just two years in my online business. If there's one thing I know to be true, it's that we're each vastly capable of creating hugely successful businesses that light us up and set us free. I'm here to share with you the knowledge and strategies needed to manifest the success you want. I truly believe that you can become, create, and achieve anything you desire, and it's just a matter of changing your thoughts in order to change your life. So let's get started. Hello, Erin. Welcome to The Aligned Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you. And uh, I've given my audience a little bit of an intro to who you are, but I would love to hear from you uh, who you are and what it is that you do as an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, that's a big question. I wear yes, a lot I of hats, right? <laughs> I'm like, ah, how do you we answer that? Do. Yeah, I think the the short answer is I'm a speaker, author, and coach for leaders who particularly struggle with conflict, communication, uh, and performance during times of really high stress or conflict. So, yeah, I, I support leaders. And develop leaders to, uh, you know, build high-performing teams, have engaging workplaces, and what's really interesting is I love working with the entrepreneurs who got out of corporate because they didn't want to lead a team, and then they're super successful, and now they have a team, and they're <laughs> right. like. I don't know what to do with this team. They're my favorite. They know what didn't
0: work for them in the corporate setting. Right. right. Oh, I love that. So you do predominantly work with
1: entrepreneurs then or or just leaders in general? Leaders in general. I've got a really mixed client base across corporate and uh, in the entrepreneurial space. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. Amazing. And what led you here? Have you always been
0: an entrepreneur? Or what's your what's your story? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know.
1: Uh, <laughs> the short answer there is no, yeah. I have not always been an entrepreneur. I spent 20 years in corporate as an engineer for a construction wow. in the construction world. Uh so delivering projects for general contractors uh predominantly. So not an entrepreneur by uh by history, I guess. <laughs> yep. However, being in that space, I uh, definitely ran across my fair share of poor leaders, I would say, mm-hmm. and just really developed this passion as I got to kind of my mid career going, Am I going to stay in construction? And, you know, just my impact if I stayed in construction would have been on the teams that I was leading and the projects I was delivering, or do I look at, you know, trying to have a bigger impact in, in industry as general, like I love working in the construction industry, but I also just love working with other leaders.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And where is my impact going to be best served? Where are my talents? Where's my passion? And four years ago, started to dip a toe into uh, leadership development space. I wrote the book. I started speaking. And then at the start of 2021, took the full leap and said, you know what? I'm doing this on my own because it's just where I need to go. Amazing. Wow. Uh You're really good at giving the nutshell (laughs) version because
0: that's a hard (laughs) thing to do actually. Um, So, okay. So what then is sort of the biggest difference for you between probably your, what I might refer to as like your old paradigm leadership Mm -hmm. role versus new paradigm leadership role? You speak a lot in your bio about empathy. Um, So I'd love to, yeah, hear what you have to say on that.
1: Yeah, I would say I grew up in the command and control environment of mm-hmm. construction and you know engineering and very, uh, very male dominated, very traditional. Do what I say. Do when I do it when I say it. You know, don't don't right. really ask a lot of questions. And if you're having a bad day, find a game face. You know, the number of times I heard early on in my career, you're too emotional. You don't have a game face. You you're very hard on your sleeve. Uh, you need to toughen up. If I had even a dollar for every time I heard that, I would mm-hmm. be a rich lady today. <laughs> um, it, so that's kind of where I came from. And as I, you know, as my husband and I started our family and as we had kids and now we're two working parents in the workforce and, you know, my career is growing and his career is growing and we're trying to balance all of these things, it, it really became like, wow, this paradigm is super broken. Like yep. it, it just doesn't work. You know, I'm I'm being led Predominantly by uh, you know if a person who's in a single-income family with a stay-at-home person at home looking after all of these things, and that is not my reality. You know, uh, I'd go to conferences that were supposed to be uplifting and sort of empowering for women, and all of the speakers either weren't married, didn't have a family, uh, put their career you know about their partner, put their career on hold for them so that they could go, like, nobody was telling my story, right? right? I couldn't identify with any of these women or men that were speaking at this conference. And so that's really when I started to go, there's got to be a better way because all of my friends and the people that I was now leading were from these dual working families, you know, that that we wanted more out of life, I would say. And we wanted people to care about us as people uh, we didn't want to feel like a cog in the big wheel, the widget that just produces, a, you know, a bunch of things. And and that's when I started to look at my experience as a team member, being led, how I was leading, diving into what does this new paradigm need to be. And the thing that really stuck out to me was the difference between a good experience and a bad experience was a leader's ability to empathize. How mm. How able were they to come into my world, to see what I was seeing, to feel what I was feeling, and then help me solution how I can move forward from wherever I was stuck at?
0: It's... I mean, so to experience the power of empathy mm-hmm. um, from like a communication standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. I mean, I go into stores or restaurants and I see that old paradigm way of leadership in terms of the manager-employee relationship, and I just go, I can't believe people still think this works. Like, it's not a relationship based in respect. And then on the other side of that, you have people, you know, such as yourself, such as coaches who are really um, in this work and and learning these styles of relationship and communication. And when you take the time to show someone, like, I care about where you're at. I want to see things as you see them. I want to understand what you're, you know, working through right now, what you're working on right now. It is just like on both sides, such a phenomenally different experience. So What, like, what did that, what has that looked like for you? And I'd love to hear what you have to say because I'm not the expert on it at all. (laughs) I just know from my own experience, you know, what works with people in my own business, people in my own life, what I need from a communication standpoint. Um, But yeah, are you seeing that shift happening? I mean, obviously you're playing a role in creating it mm-hmm. um but what does that what has that looked like for you to bring that into the conversation of leadership
1: i uh, i've had great experiences and i've had mixed reviews right mm-hmm. i think there there's some people still pretty tied to this is the way we've always done it and this is the mm-hmm. way that it should always be done and i don't see a reason to change because they have primarily benefited from this right this paradigm right uh, and then I have people that are just like, "Oh my gosh, you have to talk about this more." And there's just so much to do, and it, you know, it, it's just how can we get this in the hands of more people? And 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 part of that is overcoming some beliefs around empathy. I think there are a number of people that think you're either born with it or not, which right. I don't believe to be true. I do believe it is a skill set. Yeah. It it is a skill like um, <laughs> riding a bike, you know. Uh, doing a push-up or uh, y- learning to run a marathon, what- whatever it is that you want to do, empathy is exactly the same way. It- there's practices you can do, there is, you know, consistency matters, and there's always a growth edge in terms of how we can get better and up our own ability to practice empathy. So I, I think it's, it's definitely something everyone can learn. And, uh, that's what I, that's predominantly the work I do with the leaders that I work with is, is teaching them the skills, the practices, and increasing their ability to be empathetic with their teams, which changes the whole experience. I think what you said about, you know, walking into a restaurant or walking into a, a, a store and you, you can visibly see it as the consumer, you can see it as the team member, you can feel it. And it is a different experience as a leader when you choose to engage the skill or not. So on a tangible level,
0: what does that, I mean, on a very sort of, I know that it, this is a complex <laughs> uh, thing to grasp and and skill to develop. On a tangible level, what does it look like at a sort of baseline you know, level of understanding? How can people start to utilize and build their capacity for leading with empathy in their businesses, on their teams, perhaps even with their clients, you know, in their
1: lives in general? Yeah, great question. I think it starts first with the uh, ourselves. So that's why the book is called Inside Out Empathy is because Mm. there is this inside piece. Uh, If I can't practice empathy with myself, then there's very little chance I'm going to be able to do that with you. So what that looks like tangibly, if I am highly judgmental of myself, I am probably going to be, highly judgmental of other people. Now, whether that comes out as judgment or just, you know, overly critical, high standards, perfectionism, there's lots of ways that that presents itself. Um, But it starts with working on our inside. So how compassionate can we be with ourselves? And truly, I was having this conversation earlier this morning about compassion, which is basically the action that is spurred on by the practice of empathy. But it also can come from a place of sympathy, and there is a difference. So when you um, when you are sympathetic with somebody, you're actually feeling sorry for them or feeling pity for them. That's the mm-hmm. definition of sympathy. So then the action that spurs out of that is you want to fix it or make it better right. or minimize their discomfort or you know, there's some different actions that come out of that. And none of those are actually um, aligned with the practice of empathy because nobody wants to feel sorry for. Her. Most of us don't really want all of our problems fixed, right? Uh, We want the ability to stand sovereign and to be autonomous and to – most of us know what we need to do. We just want someone to listen. Yes. So when we approach a person or a situation with empathy, it's about understanding, at the at the very base level of it it's about understanding can i understand their emotions can i understand their perspective their thinking their behavior why they're seeing what they're seeing in the way that they're seeing it how much can i how much information can i gather how much can i understand about this person and then our action is much different when we do that when we seek to understand and to possibly be influenced by this person our actions are much different. When I respond to somebody with empathy, my response might be instead of "I want to fix this thing for you," it might be "How can I support you in that?" Mm. Right now, I'm asking permission. You tell me what. It, what do you need? You know, do we need to go drink a bottle of wine? Do we need to go for a hike? Do we need to? You know, mm-hmm. like wh- what are we going to do? What, how is what's going to be supportive to you in whatever it is you're experiencing?
0: And I just want to reiterate for my listeners, for our listeners, uh, because we have a lot of coaches that listen, and this skill that you're speaking to is one of the most impactful things I've – I'm, again, no expert, but the more that I am conscious in how I respond to whether it's a client, whether it's someone that's interested in working with me or a team member of mine – the more that I respond to them from this place of empathy, like a, a real authentic desire to understand where they're coming from first, I have seen it just – it it's one of the most um, impactful skills that mm-hmm. I've endeavored to. It's like the simple act of communication from this space is so powerful. So I really want to encourage people to – you know lean into this because it has helped me i mean it's helped me to have better relationships it's helped me to make more sales in my business it's helped me to much better serve my clients and i think that as coaches we just default into this way of this way of thinking of like you're hiring me to help you fix things or to create change. So let me just jump in. Right. And then they've often paid a lot of money. So we really just want to, you know, have them feel okay. Make sure that I say the right thing so that they're not struggling with this anymore. And it's this almost like compulsion. So the difference that I'm hearing you speak of, and that I personally have had experience with is, you know, not, needing to fix it for them. They don't need you to fix it for them. They need you to help them guide them to fix it for themselves or not. I don't even like the word fix,
1: but you know what I mean. <laughs> and yeah. the best You're, way. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, well that's just it. You're you are guiding them to see things that they can't see for themselves. That's really the job, right? right. And in and in asking curious questions and by exploring it with them and and reflecting back the experience that you've heard, it helps them to now see what was once invisible to them. Right. And they feel safe because Mm
0: -hmm. they're not out on the ledge anymore, you know, experiencing all of their own emotions
1: alone. You're there with them and you've demonstrated that for them. That you're willing to sit in that discomfort because, you know, that's, it was, it's so interesting. We, you know, as human beings, we have this wide range of emotions that we're you know we have been given we've been given this emotional body uh yet so many of us are so closed off from it and so afraid of it that we stay um this is the one downside of not being like on video with a visual is uh, <laughs> we do stay you know as as deep as you're willing to feel the discomfort emotions i would call them uh is how much you can actually feel the comforting emotions right. so you know it it works in parallel. So if you if you're not willing to feel the depths of grief and sorrow and anger and frustration and overwhelm, you also don't feel the the highs of the joy, the happiness, mm. the you know, um excitement. And and we just end up staying really flat, right? And we and yeah. that's not I don't believe that that's meant to be our experience. I, I think we were meant to feel the fullness of joy and the fullness of love and the fullness of excitement. And in order to do that, we have to be willing to sit with the fullness of grief and sorrow and anger and disappointment. I love the way you put that because it's one thousand percent true. And
0: uh, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is you know manifestation and mindset. Yeah. And it, there's kind of this. I mean, we I've worked really hard on this podcast to share a message of like please don't ignore your emotions please don't fall yes. into this way this methodology this way of thinking like i'll just feel the positive emotions so that i manifest what i want like that's not it Mm-mm. <laughs> It's quite damaging, actually.
1: It is. And I think our emotions, I always refer to them as like our internal GPS system, right? So yes. when you're having some of those moments of overwhelm and frustration, that's the GPS system trying to tell you that maybe you need to recalculate your route or, you know, like right. uh, you're on a back road somewhere that they don't know where you are. Um, and right. and it is, it's, it serves a purpose. It's information. And For a number of years, or I would say 15 years in my career, that was the message I got was fix this emotional side of yourself, get rid of it. And I even have said before, if I could have cut that part out of me and literally gotten rid of it, I would have. There was points in my career I was so frustrated with myself for not being able to control it and to not be able to um, feel like I had it under wraps, you know, like it would blindside me at the most awful times i thought and what's been so liberating is as i've learned to explore it as i've learned to recognize it as i you know welcome it into my life and i'm no longer scared of feeling an emotion they last way shorter right mm-hmm. i'm not stuck in overwhelm for weeks and days i don't feel frustrated and angry for months at a time i you know grief is a big feeling but it passes I don't want to say easily, but it does. It's just, it's here and we work it and then we're through it. And in doing that, when we have a really joyful thing happen or, you know, the love that we share in our family or the excitement we express over some new uh, adventure, it's all the more richer.
0: Yes. Ugh, I love all of that so much and what you resist persists right so totally. it's not that we get rid of these emotions mm-hmm. it's that we change our relationship to them such that they yeah. don't they don't have that same hold on us we're not making them wrong we're not being we're not making them mean all kinds of horrible things <laughs>
1: right and so this practice of empathy again if we go back to it starts with yourself if i can right. sit in anger and frustration and grief and sorrow when someone else is there I don't need to make it better for them, right? Right. I can sit with them in that. It doesn't cause me discomfort. By being in that with them, they don't feel alone. It actually drives connection. It pulls us closer together. We have a shared experience now. And uh, because it's not, you know, uncomfortable for me and it's not increasing my anxiety and I'm not trying to fix it or get out of it or make it, you know, better or minimize it. Uh, it lasts a much shorter period of time, and we can see that light at the end of the tunnel much sooner. And you've just,
0: as a leader, helped that person to navigate it on their own. Like right. we don't do anyone, you know. What's what's the saying about you can teach a man give a man a fish or feed yes. him for a day? Like it's the same yeah. thing, right? If I if I'm successful in somehow fixing your emotions right now. Well, what are you going to do tomorrow when I'm not here?
1: <laughs> well, that's just it. And as a te- as a leader, if we carry all those emotions around and we think that's our job, it can be quite exhausting.
0: Yes. Right. We
1: burn yes. out. Um, we're, we fail to recognize what's ours. We take on everything of everyone else's. And so the real practice starts with you know getting clear on what's yours Finding compassion for your, for yourself from a place of non judgment, uh, practicing some mindfulness. So really being aware of: Am I tired today? And am I going to take that into every single act interaction that I'm going into? Uh, am I hungry? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what's going on in my world that's going to possibly influence how I show up today in front of my team? And the more we can become aware of that and own that, and the easier it is then to go into your team and sort of say, look. I'm really tired today. Uh, I don't got a lot left, you know. <laughs> like, right. like that's okay because we're all humans. It's when we button up and put on the armor uh, and go out there and think that I don't know we're some kind of robots. Yep. <laughs> People feel the inauthenticity of that. People feel like then they have to armor up because oh my yes. gosh, what's happening here? I'm not safe, right? I can't show you that I have a weakness because you can't show me that you have one. So it just sets up this really uh awkward and physically, mentally, emotionally draining uh situation and paradigm
0: for all parties. <laughs> for
1: everyone. And I think like,
0: you know, we're really seeing a shift in what makes up a leader. Like a leader really is someone who can give others permission yeah. to be themselves. A leader is not, oh, this person has it all together and I aspire to be like them. Like yeah. uh, that actually does, I think. More harm than good. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say? I mean, you've mentioned it briefly, but I think that oftentimes we have a hard time, especially like, you know, everyone, so many of us have some version of people pleasing going on or have worked through it in the past or, yeah, whatever. Um, What would you say to people who have a hard time witnessing? say, a client or a team member who's really in the dumps about something. You know, you're on a, a call with someone and they're they are in total anxiety, total fear. They're crying. They're working through whatever it is that they're working through. And the instinct is, like, I want to comfort this person. I want to make them feel yeah. better. I want to fix it. And I think that that's, like, a compulsion for a lot of people. What would you say to, to have, you know, the coach or the leader involved – feel more comfortable letting that being okay with the fact that that person is where they are and where they're meant to be.
1: Yeah. I think you're right there. The compulsion is we have this intention to comfort and connect, right? Yeah. Cause that is the intention The the compulsion is to connect as human beings. We want to reach out and connect to that person. We do it in a way though, that often drives disconnection. And that's the difference between our intention and the impact of our actions. So, uh, for example, when, uh, when somebody is is in that real kind of place of discomfort, and we reach out with "I'm so sorry this is happening to you," how you know? Let me take this load. Let me do something. Let me fix it. Um, it sends this message, and the impact on the other person is: you pity me, you feel sorry for me, and I'm yeah. not capable of doing it on my own. Yes, and it drives the disconnection. So instead of paying attention to our intention. Pay attention to your impact, right? What are you, is the behavior you're choosing, are the words you, you are choosing driving connection or disconnection? And so instead of saying, I'm so sorry you're going through this, a simple change or a small tweak to that might look like, I can see that this is really painful for you. Just naming it, right? Um, I can see that this is really difficult for you right now. I'm happy to sit here and support you. What would that look like? And you can just feel the difference
0: in that. Right. Right. Even not like, like, yeah, as soon as you said that, I almost got emotional thinking like the number of times that that's exactly what I need to hear, right? Mm -hmm. Especially those listening to this, you guys are very involved in your own self-development. You're very self-aware. You don't need, you know you don't need somebody to try and fix it or to give you pity. You just need someone to experience it with you.
1: Well, and I think that's it. As, you know, self-development professionals, coaches, consultants, you know, we do all of this work ourselves and we do it with our clients and we are still human. Like I still have moments where I get overwhelmed by my emotions and I don't know what it is. And it's, I have all the tools in the book. However, I also still need to go and meet with someone who can witness it for me and can talk me through it because we're all human beings right so even though you do this work with other people you need someone to do this work with you
0: right yes um okay so l- from that there then because we're obviously talking about a new way of of leading people mm-hmm. and it really is like a 180 switch from like you know leaders being people who have it all figured out and they're telling us what to do and we need to just listen versus the new way of leading is really one that's based in, as you said, empathy, um, connection and authenticity and perhaps, perhaps even vulnerability. I've seen the power in, in vulnerability, which is hard to, to put out there. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's scary. Why do you feel that it's, you know, we've seen this massive shift, especially in this space where people are really drawn to vulnerability and authenticity over, you know, all else really.
1: Why do I think that shift has happened? Yeah. I think uh, I think part of it is our diversity in our workforce. So multiple generations, mm-hmm. the fact that our economies and our like workplaces are much more globally diverse than they've ever been before, our ability to move around, you know different cultures coming in and out, we're just much more uh, exposed to different ways of thinking and different ways of being that the old paradigm said, you have to look and think like me to be successful here. Right. Right. And so that's no longer the fact that there's no longer true. Right. In in fact, uh, companies have proven that the more diversity of thought we have, the more diversity of, you know, uh, race, sex, gender, whatever the, Um, the demographic is, the more diversity we have at the table, the better problem-solving capacity we have. However, it's really hard for groups of humans who are different to come together unless there's safety there. Right. Because our DNA is still like 4 million years old. (laughs) Right? It is. We have the same brain we had back when we were living in, you know, Hunter-gatherer days, and when someone different walked into the tribe or the group of people, that was actually a, a threatening thing.
0: Right,
1: right. And so our our brain works against us in our modern world, and it's our job because we do have the ability for for cognitive thought um, and independent action. We need to recognize what's happening and what's going on, and then build our skills to interrupt that because it's not it's no longer true right the person that's different around the table is probably not a threat to your safety <laughs> right and and could be yeah. quite a good ally and you know yeah. a, a valued and treasured teammate and so I think that is predominantly why we're seeing this shift uh, because in order for groups of highly diverse people to come together and to work together and to be productive and perform and get results they have to be able to trust each other and in order to trust each other we have to be vulnerable you know trust is an interesting thing because it feels really intangible but it's basically i've given you something that could hurt me and you chose to mm. keep me safe that's what vulnerability is right and that's how trust is built the bigger the bigger the thing i give you the more potential it has to hurt me and you use it to keep me safe, the more I trust you.
0: Yes, that's beautiful. I love that, the simplicity of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the realm of you know storytelling per se or using our experiences to inspire, to teach others, to build our businesses – I mean, it's a lot. It's a big ask of yourself. Put yourself out there, put the realness of who you are, all facets of you out there, and ask for
1: it to be received. Yeah. Well, exactly. Especially when it's being vulnerable, because that's, I'm giving you a piece of something of me that could actually come back and hurt me. Right. And I need to be willing to take that risk.
0: What would you say to people? Like, what does it look like to be? sort of effectively vulnerable. I don't like to put it that way. It sounds strategic, and I don't mean it Mm -hmm. that way. But I think that there is a difference between being powerful in your vulnerability and almost being vulnerable from a place of, you know, looking to
1: complain (laughs) about things or – Yeah. Yeah. I I understand what you're saying. And if if I understand it correctly, it's, you know, vulnerability to me isn't this oversharing of personal information. Right. Right. Um, but it is willing, it is a willingness to say, I've made a mistake, right? I was wrong in my thinking. Um, I think those are the two probably, those are the starting points of vulnerability because those are the pieces we try to keep hidden because they interrupt this perfect image that we're trying to, uh, uh, convey, right? So if we can say to our team, yeah, I screwed that up, or I really messed that up, or I didn't see that at all, that was my fault. Those are the building blocks. And that's sort of that appropriate level of vulnerability in a team because ultimately everyone's gonna make a mistake. Yeah. Right? Everyone's gonna make a mistake. But if you can't admit it as the leader, what are the chances of your team admitting it? And you need them to admit when they've made a mistake so that you can f- get ahead of it. You can, you know, like risk manage that and, you know, not have it grow into something that's huge and massive because somebody tried to cover it up.
0: I lo- I love what you're saying about like the inside out empathy in that regard, because I have uh, not a big team, but people that help me in my business and One of the things that's been so impactful in having it just be really effortless, like it just feels quite effortless in how things work and, you know, I'm not having to follow up with people all the time or anything like that. There's no hovering, (laughs) like they're just very competent people. There's a lot of mutual respect and I have no problem with them making mistakes because they're human beings, but they have to be safe in feeling, or they have to feel safe in making mistakes Which couldn't happen if I wasn't having empathy with myself when I'm also being a human being and screwing things up. Right. I said that very backwards, but
1: No, but that's (laughs) exactly it. it, right? If and that's why it starts with ourselves. We have to be willing to do this practice with ourselves. That's actually it's so interesting because I
0: think people probably don't realize how much it's all just like. You know, I always say we're the source of everything. It's always it we always are. comes back to our relationship with ourselves. So it does. if yeah, if you are the this is why I like people projecting at you guys like it's always more about them than anything mm-hmm. else. If they're in such a perfectionist mindset for themselves, which ultimately comes from you know insecurity or needing to prove or you know whatever childhood we've all got our stuff things <laughs> yeah our things yeah if if they're not able to be with themselves in that, then of course they can't accept it from other people. That's triggering as anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because this goes hand in hand with the topic of perfectionism, which Mm -hmm. I think as business owners, we all have to navigate what it looks like to undo this obsession we have with trying to make everything perfect, which is actually just a desire to not be seen in our imperfectness.
1: Right. So to speak. Right. Right. Because we judge our own imperfectness. And so when we see it in others, we judge it in them. And so this is one of the interesting things um, because it's always easier to see our judgments um, in other people than it is in ourselves. So I would encourage your listeners, if they want to start somewhere, Mm -hmm. is to watch where you judge other people. Yes. Right? (laughs) Because where you judge other people is likely where you judge yourself the harshest and it's and we often can't see us judging ourselves cuz we don't see it in that light. We're so used to it. Yeah. And it's just kind of a part of who we are and we go, yeah. "Oh no, I'm not judging myself. I just have high standards." Yes. Okay. Well, that's another way of saying you're judging yourself. Um but <laughs> but we'll see the judgment that we make uh, to other people, you know. For me, parenting was a big one. That was a huge mm. trigger. Uh right? Uh also, you know, just yeah, quality of work, um, you know. And so when I started to see where I was judging my team members in terms of you know how fast they got things done, who cares how fast they get it done, right? Like, I mean, there needs to be we need to meet deadlines, but honestly, this is yeah, to, yeah. right. And so it's like, oh, that's because I have this crazy expectation of myself, mm-hmm. and if I don't meet it, I judge myself about it. And I think I'm not worthy and I think that it's, you know, I've messed up or I've made a mistake and then I beat myself up about it. It's like, let's just let everybody off the hook here.
0: This is why it's just so powerful to have this level of awareness where anything outside of you that triggers you in any way, I mean, it's okay to have a temporary reaction. We're human beings. But if we are blaming things on other people in any area of our life or business, we're missing an opportunity or if we're creating blanket statements. I was talking to a friend yesterday who was saying, um, you know, I'm trying to date, but there's just no available women out there. Right. And like, like really <laughs> you – you really want to live in that world? Like, there's no, he lives in a big city. There's not one person in the right. millions of people that live there. Come on. Like, right. You know, but he's gone for years and years with this story. And it's like, mm-hmm. at what point are you going to identify that you're the common denominator here? And I mean, I see it just in everywhere. And I do it as well. Like, we all, again, we're humans, but there's so much power in that level of self awareness of like, why is it that I'm giving my power away to this person or this circumstance? And what is it within me? That
1: I'm not being willing to look at, absolutely, and and there's definite corners of our lives that are harder to look oh, at yes. than others. <laughs> like, For sure. yeah, I've been in some messy situations with myself, uh, but absolutely, I think all of our external relationships are reflecting back to us some some aspect of ourselves.
0: So, I think that the hardest thing probably people struggle with here, or one of the hardest things, is just that level of self-compassion mm. and self-empathy and developing that. What what would you say for people getting started on that? Or like, I mean, it's an onion of all onions, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the hardest part, right? Is being able well, to it be is. with
1: ourselves in that way. It is. And I think, you know, it starts with really, obviously, so m- my work with people is f- fairly customized when I when I work with a group of leaders, because not everything's going to work for everyone else. But I think it starts with, you know, pick the thing that you beat yourself up the most with. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, where this practice started, I'll just share that, was my inability to rest. Mm. So um, if I wasn't doing something, it felt like I wasn't moving forward. And I'll never forget the first time I got the practice from... Um, you know, a dear practitioner that was helping me through some of the blocks at the time. And my homework for two weeks was to do nothing. <laughs> and I remember being so angry. I got in my car. I'm like, why am I paying this money? What, <laughs> what in the world is going on here? I was like livid, <laughs> spitting nails so mad when I got back into my car. And after about a week, I remember emailing them and saying like, I don't understand what this is. Like they I can't do nothing. You know, I have three kids and a full-time job and the list went on and on and on about why I couldn't just do nothing. (laughs) And, uh, and, and luckily they, they stuck with me through that. And, you know, we're sort of like, well, what do you, what do you want me to do? You know, how do we, what support do you need in this? And it was like, well, how do I just do nothing? I don't understand. And they recommended floating. Have you ever, do you know what this is? Like a float tank? Yes. I've been once actually. I'd like to go again. Okay. It's the perfect place to do nothing because you are literally (laughs) inside a tank of water in the pitch black for an hour and you can't do anything. (laughs) And this was the start of my practice of doing nothing, right? And just learning to relax because I could calm the part of my brain that said, you need to do something because this was, I had to go out of my house. I had to drive there, get in the float tank, but- for an hour I did nothing.
0: You know, what's funny is the one time I went, I thought I'm going to use this hour to visualize, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) which was like not doing nothing. Right. Well, and I often fall asleep and people are like, how do you sleep in a float tank? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just what happens. So, (laughs) you know, and, and so now how that practice has evolved is, you know, If I've had a particularly busy week or I'm starting to feel tired, I will notice that. So again, it's a bit of a mindfulness practice, but also then going like, what do I need in this moment and asking myself that question and not questioning or judging the instant react, like the answer that comes, you know? So sometimes it's, you need to make a cup of tea and read a book for an hour, or you need to go take a nap, or you need to just lay in your hammock and watch your dog play in the backyard or go for a walk or, you know, whatever that answer is that comes up, just trusting that that's what you need and meeting yourself there. Don't make it right or wrong. Don't judge it to all get out, you know, just honor it. Because when you can do that with yourself, and that is really that start of that self-compassion practice, when you can do that with yourself more frequently, you're going to be able to meet other people where they need to be met. Mm.
0: And I want to for people listening to this, like Again, coming back to what you resist persists, the more that you judge yourself. I like what you said about um, what are the things that you're most hard on yourself for. Mm -hmm. I think as entrepreneurs listening to this, the answer to that question is so often uh, the mistakes they feel they've made. Sometimes it has to do with money. Sometimes it has to do with past endeavors that failed. And it's this not accepting where they where they're at and trust me I do this myself not accepting where they're at or the decisions they've made or the things that haven't worked out that keeps them from being able to move forward
1: yeah absolutely you know and we can't change that we can't change what we've done in the past right so if we don't surrender to it we're never going to move forward
0: Yes, absolutely, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely gonna link your book down below because I know I'm gonna go read it because <laughs> <So laughs> I think that <laughs> like I there's times when you know I've really embodied what we're talking about here where it's mm-hmm. like I'm not making anything wrong. It's so freeing. Like, how much of our time do we spend in our head mm-hmm. making ourselves wrong for things? And imagine being free of that. Um, but it's definitely a, a practice. So, is there anything that you do on? sort of a regular basis outside of what you've just shared with us um, or like to actually continue to sort of embody or integrate this way of being that you're speaking of? Or is it just like a day-by-day just being aware and
1: conscious? Yeah, I – don't have a set routine. I have, I call it my toolbox of things, right? Like I float, I do yoga, I have meditations and breathing exercises. I'll take walks. I take long baths, but I don't do everything every day in a specific order. It's, it's more about having this, this, you know, set of tools available to me, uh, no different than a screwdriver, a hammer and a wrench. And then what is, what is going on for me today? And what is the right tool to then help me address that, you know, just like you wouldn't hang a picture with a wrench. Well, maybe some of us would, if that's all that's available. Uh, But it's harder to do the job, right? Um, Some days, some days I need the walk more than I need the bath. And some days I need the bath more than I need the walk. Right. And with the sort of the, the mindset
0: regimen is something I've really stepped away from this year for the reason that you're saying, which is like, you don't need the same things every day. And I think we almost create these rules for ourselves where it's like, well, I need to do X, Y, and Z. And sometimes that's you know your mindset routine. Sometimes that's just a certain amount of productivity in order to have whatever. It's like there's rules yeah. around our ability to be compassionate and loving towards ourselves. If
1: I accomplish these things, then I get permission. <laughs> right and and again when we have this really structured routine and we make it right or wrong oh my gosh i missed the 5 minute right. meditation today at 8am <laughs> now i i didn't i didn't do my routine my day's going to be terrible well no that's not actually what might happen um right and there's nothing saying you can't do the mindful the meditation at 10am like it's just <laughs> right i do it on the sidelines watching the kids play soccer cuz some days that's when i need it like yeah, it's-, it's just it's about I would say the first thing is the cultivation of the mindfulness of just like really tuning mm-hmm. in to what it is you need and recognizing that if if you do start to get down that path of like blaming or outwardly projecting that this is, you know, whatever you're experiencing is someone else's fault, that is the that is the invitation to go deeper inside and go, what do you need in this moment? Like you are fully capable and able to take care of yourself. What is it you need and honor it?
0: And it can be as simple as that. It is, and then not making it wrong. What? Well, no. actually, you already said this. Not making, not judging yourself for whatever the answer is. I love right. that's just so like, you know, an exhale of relief yeah. around. Like it really can just be this simple. It really can be,
1: you guys. I think the hard part is honoring it. <laughs> it is. It the hard part is once it comes. Like you know, some days it'll be like you need to sit and watch TV with your son, and I'm like, really? That's what you're really? I don't think that's what I should be doing. And then it's like, just how about we just do it and see what happens, you know? And then we'll end up having maybe a really great conversation or some great cuddles. And it's like, yeah, that is what I needed. I needed the connection with him. Right. Right. And
0: and oftentimes it's those times when you're, as for business owners, when you're not in the business Uh that the ideas come, the direction comes, the clarity comes. 100%. And that's why it's so important to honor what comes because it is probably the thing that's, you know, it's, it's playing a role in unlocking whatever it is that you've been intending to be moving towards. Yeah. So you have a program launching
1: next year. I do. Um, Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's called Inside Out Leadership. So it's a six-month leadership development program. We work on all the things we've just talked about here. We start inside, uh, you know, self-awareness, self-development, uh, really looking at our own triggers, our own judgments, that sort of thing. And then how do we take that out into our teams? And you know, and when I say team, I use that pretty broadly because I think I know actually it affects your family, your parenting, uh, your team at work, but also just you as a person in a community um, you know, anywhere you go in the world. So. Mm, I love that. And Mm -hmm. and that's something
0: that you've been sort of like working your way up towards in your business.
1: Yeah. I would say this is sort of the, there's been different iterations in the past. This feels like, you know, based on past feedback, the right curriculum, the right length of time, the right container, uh, just, yeah, feels like this is, this is the next step in that iteration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, And,
0: okay, so actually I want to hear a little bit just more about your book. We're sort of – I have just a couple questions left for you. Um, What what was the process like? I have so many clients that come to me or people, (laughs) you know, that want to write a book and – it's, you know, I, I mean, I have I wrote one a few years ago and I, I don't even really feel like I can speak to it that much because it was sort of just like a hobby, like a fun thing that I did on the side. So people that yep. very intentionally put their body of work into a book, I would love to hear from you what that process was. Was it sort of a, a feeling of channeling
1: something or was it structured? Was it, yeah. What was it like for you? Uh, so <laughs> interestingly enough, I could really resonate with what you said there. So I, um, I didn't start writing with the intention of writing a book. I started with the intention of wanting to speak and share my story and Mm -hmm. just really open this conversation around why we need empathy and leadership. And the more I wrote, the more, you know, things, the the thoughts came, the practices came, all of these, you know, parts of my story that influenced why I got to where I was. Um, And I... I was working, I have a mentor who I had shared a bit of it with her at the time. And she's like, this is a book and you need to publish it because this is like, I just want to read more. So I'm like, okay. So then, um, I'm like, well, I'm an engineer. I'm not a writer. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. So I, honestly, I was like, I don't know. Now I feel like you want to talk about imposter syndrome. (laughs) Um, so I booked a one-day intensive with a writing coach because I was sort of like, I don't even know the first thing about how you start to map out a book. And it was great. We spent – I feel like this was the early days of Zoom calls, but we spent – Two three hour sessions on a Zoom call in a day, broke for lunch, and she really helped pull all the ideas, all the stories, all the thoughts, all the things out of me that I thought I wanted to talk about, and helped kind of arrange it in a way that I could write fluidly through all of that. And from there, once I had that outline, things flowed really easily. Um, I but i will tell uh, the re- uh, the listeners here i am not a sit down at my desk and type kind of person my stories and my thoughts flow best when i'm walking so i do a lot of voice to text
0: oh cool so
1: i would be out we live we live in a in an urban community but uh we have a a nice walking path kind of along the river that's up on the ridge and it's pretty pretty, uh, isolated in terms of, you know, not a lot of people around and not a lot of noise. So I just put my headphones in and turn on my voice to text app and I would just talk, transfer that into a Google doc and then edit from there. So, I mean, it made for some pretty funny sentences sometimes cause it doesn't pick <laughs> up all the punctuation and stuff, but that was the easiest way for me to get words on the page. And, um, and once they were there, then editing them, getting, you know, putting them in order, moving things around, that was that was a very simple process after that. It didn't take me very long to actually finish the writing Mm. of the first draft. Um, it definitely took longer to go through the editing and publishing phases. So
0: I love those, uh, just very tangible, like bite size. I mean, that's what I've said about it. it was like, it was just, I just worked on it when I felt like working on it. I didn't overthink it. And it sounds like working with the coach helped you to do that, break it off piece by piece, not make it such a mountain. It did. It really got
1: me out of my head and out of this belief of you're an engineer, not a writer.
0: Isn't it funny how you were writing, you know, without issue or without Mm -hmm. anything going on about it until someone told you you were writing a book and then it became A big deal.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Totally right. Well, yeah, like you got this were, like yeah. story about what an author should be. It's like, well, exactly. Now you are one, so I guess you are one, even though you already were before. Yeah. You just hadn't like yeah. put a label on it. <laughs>
0: it's just how we do this to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, where Aaron, I've absolutely loved talking to you today, and uh, actually, what I took from what you were just saying what your book was sort of this like very flowy allowing energy, which I know is really resonating with people right now, especially just in the last couple of years that we've had and how important it is to not overcomplicate things, to allow things to reveal themselves to you, so to speak. Absolutely.
1: Where can people connect with you online? Uh, so website, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and kind of all the usual hangouts, except where the teenagers hang out. I don't hang out there often. Is that TikTok or? Yeah, TikTok (laughs) and Snapchat. Probably not going to find me there.
0: (laughs) Not anytime soon. My kids are mortified that, yeah. Whereabouts Uh, are you located, actually? Because I'm in in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Oh, okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm in Toronto. Okay. Um, Clearly, we didn't talk very much before we jumped on here, but. (laughs) But it was just so good. I wanted to jump in right away. And uh, I like to just kind of put my guests on the spot with my last question mm. and just ask if you could leave our audience with one kind of permission slip today or one piece of mm. wisdom,
1: what would it be? Mm. I think it's the permission to just honor yourself, mm. you know, I really trust whatever's coming up for you and whatever moment you're in, don't second guess it. Don't try to make it right or wrong. Just do it. Beautiful. Yeah. It's well, a hard I think, practice, but it's- I, I know. You it's know, everything. <laughs> it is. It's everything. And it's it's also the permission I need in this moment too, yes. is just to, to honor that. And it's what I keep coming back to. So uh, I think if we all got there- Tune in. hmm I love
0: that. Thank you so much, Erin. I really love this conversation of leadership from this space because I always say on here, it really, like, you are the source for all of it. Um, And it really is a relationship with yourself and then how that translates for you externally. So this was just beautiful. I'm going to link all of Erin's links for you guys down in the show notes. Make sure to go and connect with her. Do you work with people one-on-one or is it what actually, how can people work with you if they're interested in going to the next step?
1: Absolutely. I do have some uh, one-on-one capacity. Uh, it's it's a bit limited right now, but there is uh, some small capacity for one-on-one work currently. Uh, I do a, a group, a small group program on tackling tough conversations with empathy. Uh, so that's a fun one. It's only eight weeks long. It starts September 29th. Not sure when the show is going to air, but uh, that's always an option. I do a spring and a fall intake there and then the Inside Out Leadership program next year. Mm. amazing okay
0: thank you so much Erin um and yeah I'd love to have you on again sometime I just loved this conversation loved your energy I always just feel like the universe just sends me these beautiful people on my podcast at the exact perfect time and it's like just
1: such a gift so thank you well thank you I have enjoyed it too I will be happy to come back anytime (laughs) amazing all right thanks so much guys we'll talk to you soon
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Aligned Entrepreneur podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or you got value from it, it would mean the world to me if you'd share it on your Instagram stories and give the podcast a five-star review, which helps me to get this message out into the ears and the hearts of those who can benefit from it. And I'll see you guys next episode.